folding blanket. That's a full-time job. I'm going to invite Noah up, and he's going to open us up this morning in the Word of God. So if you guys have your Bibles open, uh, I would invite you to either flip to or tap to Luke chapter 5, and we'll be in verse 33 to begin with. And they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so, do the, the, and so do the disciples of the Pharisee, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. Hmm. Amen. Thank you, Noah. So I want you guys to make sure you guys kind of leave your... Uh, finger right there in Luke. We're going we're gonna to be mainly in Luke, but we're also going to be bouncing back into Matthew and Mark as, as we look at this. And I want to do a little review time to make sure we're all awake, that we've all been paying attention. All right, little quiz time, and this is out loud answers. That's what I tell my senior hires and junior hires. This is an out loud answer, not just in your head. Out loud answer, what has Pastor Patrick been, t- been teaching us on in the past month or so? Parables, and specifically what parable have we been looking at? Sower and the seed. So we got, I got a little, some prompts to help us do that. So I want us to, to walk through the four different um, conditions that the seed fell on because that's going to play into the parable that Jesus tells this morning. So as the sower goes out to sow, he sows seed. And what does it fall on first? This is also an out loud answer. On, on the path. It falls on the path. Can we get that next slide going? falls on the path, and, and we see those who, who fall on the path, those are the ones who have heard the gospel but have rejected. It's fallen on a cold heart. Where's, what does the next one fall on? We have the path, and we have the rocks. Those that fall on the rocks, those who have faith, who have heard the gospel, but is a very shallow, very weak faith. And so sometimes when the sun comes out, the, the, the plants dried out. Next, what, do the, what does the seed fall on? The thorns, the, the soil that has thorns come up, where they accept the gospel, they grasp onto the gospel, they start growing, but then the cares, the worries of this world really start to bog them down and choke them out. And finally, the last type that it falls on is what? The good soil, the soil, the hearts who hear the gospel, who respond and who grow into that. And, and I wanted to, to review those things because I feel at one point in all of our lives, we've hit most, if not all, of these types of soils in our heart. To remind us that at one point, we weren't born to love Jesus. We were all born enemies of God. At one point, we had all rejected God. And that, that might be, you know, when you were three years old, you were kind of walking away from God. And three years old, God, God got a hold of your heart. Maybe it was later in life. But at some point, our hearts had to be softened by the Holy Spirit to allow that seed to fall on us. And then at, at some point, we had to, we got our faith, but it wasn't strong. We had to grow. 
And, and faith, and I have to remind myself, faith is not the ability to not have storms in our lives. Faith is being able to have peace in God through the storms of our life. And there are times in our life where we're going to go through, not if, but when, we go through storms in our life that, that we need to hold on to Jesus. And finally, hopefully, we're at that point where we have weathered those storms, where we have gone through those storms and are growing in our faith. So that's, that's where we've come through, and uh, I want to then bring us into Luke chapter 5 today. And, and as I was thinking about it, as, as I talked about in the announcement, it's getting close to Super Bowl time, and I know some of us could care less about the Super Bowl now that a certain team is not playing in it. Others of you are like, whose names we shall not mention. Um, but... I remember, this is, I'm going to tell my, working with youth, sometimes you date yourself. And I'm going to date myself, because back in my day, we didn't have TV apps. So when I wanted to watch the Super Bowl, I couldn't just quick go on my phone and download ABC channel and for, for whatever amount, for one day, pay that $13 and then delete it the next day. No, back in my day, we're talking way back. We had this thing called cable, direct TV, and you had to pay for it. And not just for a day, but like monthly, like yearly. It was, we're talking dark ages now. And I remember, I'm like, I really want to watch the Super Bowl, but I, want, I don't want to pay $90 a month for an entire year or two years or the rest of my life. And, and so I would try to work out a deal. I love trying to find deals. I love trying to find discounts. I'm kind of cheap like that. So when, you know, I'd, I'd ask the cable company, I'm like, can I just pay just for one day for this one channel? Can I just pay 10 bucks? Well, sir, no, you can't. But we'll throw in a better deal. We'll throw in, instead of paying, you know, a whole arm and a leg, we'll just charge you a leg. But you get 500 more stations with that. I'm like, don't care. I don't care how many stations you turn in. I just want that one station. But, sir, it's a great deal. Again, don't care. I just want that one. And I think about that as, as we look into to kind of the underlying issue, the underlying teaching that Jesus is talking about, where sometimes we want to look at everything else, but Jesus is trying to really get us to say, what's that one? What's, what's Jesus in your heart? Where is he? Is he the only one, or is he one among many? So as we look at Luke chapter 5, I want to kind of give this background as we come in because so often we sometimes see Jesus' teaching as a whole bunch of random fortune cookies that are broke open and we just pick out all these good sayings. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is not a culmination of, of good saying fortune cookies that have been culminated. But there's a systematic, there's a reason why Jesus is, is writing these as we go through the Bible. And as we see in, in, in both Matthew and Mark, as we go into Luke, we see two groups of people coming to Jesus. We see, we see the disciples of John, the, the, the students of John, they come and they ask Jesus a question, as well as the Pharisee party come and ask Jesus a question. Both the same question, but I feel with two very different reasons. I feel maybe the disciples of John are coming and, and innocently asking, hey Jesus, we're trying to figure out this. Why, why, why do we fast and why don't, why don't your students fast? We, we just want to know. But I see the hearts of the Pharisees coming and saying, all right, Jesus, we got you on this one. Why aren't you fasting? 
oh, son of God, why aren't you fasting? See, because the Pharisees, fasting was so important for them. And, and when I say the word fasting, I know we're us today in 2021. You guys are all probably familiar with fast food. But when I say the word fasting, it may not quite be as clear. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw just a little bit of what fasting is for the, for the next slide. When we talk about fasting, it's not just a method of eating. See, I had a, some blood test, and, and I had to fast for my blood test. That was for a medical reason. What, what the Bible talks about when we talk about fasting for God, it's, it's much more than that. See, fasting for us is to abstain, to, to wait, to pause on, on, on something we're consuming. And that could be food. Most often that's food. I've also done media fasts where I realized, man, the amount of time I'm spending on social media has so greatly overtaken the amount of time I'm spending in God's word or how much TV I'm watching or, or anything that, that I see as becoming more important as God. As, and we take a break from that. So we're able to focus our attention, focus our thoughts on Jesus, to realign ourselves, to say, nothing is more important, Jesus, than you. Now, in, in the Old Testament, we see God commanding the people one specific time to fast, and that was on the Day of Atonement, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, made a sacrifice for the entire nation's sins. God instructs the people to say, fast for this day. But other than that, it's not instructed for a seasonal thing. But here come the Pharisees. And we want to point fingers at them, but, but here's their thought. It's like, well, if, if fasting once a year makes God happy, well, maybe fasting a whole bunch of times through the year will make him really happy. So they go down this, this rabbit trail and they think, okay, what can we do? If, how many more times can we fast to make God even more happy? And so uh, in the New Testament, we look at a lot of the Pharisees, they would fast every Monday and Thursday. And then any other event, occasion that they felt was needing to be sombering, then they would require a fast for that time. So with that in mind, whenever we talk about the Pharisees in the Bible, I think there were some hangry issues going on there. I don't know about you. Does any, we're not going to point fingers, but is anyone in your family one of those people that when they get hungry, they get hangry? Yes, we're not, not pointing fingers. But we get that. When you're hungry, you get angry, you get testy. And sometimes I feel maybe Pharisees, maybe that was a little bit of the issue. But here they come to Jesus and they ask this question. Why, why do we fast? Why do the disciples of John fast? And why don't your followers fast, Jesus? And Jesus kind of looks at them because it's a fairly obvious answer once they really start thinking about it. See, for them and, and also for us, they saw fasting as a way to get closer to Jesus. But the Pharisees saw that as a very if-and statement. If I fast, then Jesus has to love me. And Jesus is saying, you know, I hate to tell you this. You can starve yourself, and that doesn't necessarily make God any more happier with you. It just makes you hungry. And I see deep down that Jesus is kind of letting him know, you know, you guys see fasting as a way to get in the right relationship with God. And the, the followers of Jesus are like, we don't have to do that because we are literally walking with God in the flesh. We know that we are in connection with Jesus. We know this. And so they go on and, and they keep pushing. They keep prodding. And so Jesus brings two very clear, very obvious parables. 
Now, in the parable with the seed, Jesus has to pull his disciples aside, pull people aside, and kind of describe. He kind of lays it out for us. Here's really what this means. But in these two parables, Jesus makes it very clear, very down-to-earth, very practical examples that he didn't have to explain, that they got. The first one is about the patch, the, the, the new patch and the old garment. See, in Matthew 16 and 17, when they use that word old, everyone say old. Old. When the, the word that they use for old is, is talking about worn out, used out. So, so think about, does anyone have, I always think of my, my dad. He always had that one farm coat that like <laughs> just needed to be burned, but it was like his coat. And you don't mess with his coat. It stank. It had so many holes in it. The zipper worked sometimes, but that was his coat. But it was worn out. It needed to be gotten rid of. Jesus is talking in the sense of, it's like that. You have something that is just worn out. And he talks about, let's, let's, uh, let's imagine this, this garment that's worn out that should probably be tossed, but you're like, hey, let's patch it. And I'm going to get a new piece of material and sew onto it. See, I lucked out. When I grew up, I grew up right in that era where holes in your pants were starting to become cool. Because, let's be honest, parents... How many of you have ever gone a week without your, your child ripping a hole in their pants? It's very few and far between. I'm going to pick on Connor a little bit. I remember at our senior high retreat, he had a pair of pants that he didn't have holes in. And what do I do? I play a game that he got a hole in his pants. So I'll take responsibility halfways for that, Julia and Dwayne. But we see the, these holes. And I got lucky, and I just happened to grow up where having holes in your pants, that started becoming cool. So I didn't have to do the whole patching stuff. I lucked out, but we have this idea where Jesus is like, okay, you have a hole in, in, in your clothes, and you want to put a patch on it. But if you put a patch that, that's, that's not worn because you have your favorite you know, pair of pants, you have your favorite shirt, you wear it all the time, it gets stretched out, some of the elasticity is kind of worn out. And he says, if you put a new piece of clothing on that, it hasn't been worn out, it hasn't been stretched, and as soon as you start wearing it, your old ones, they know how to stretch to your body, but this one doesn't, and it's going to rip, and it's going to make an even larger hole. It's going to make it worse. And here's really what Jesus is getting at. See, he's talking about himself being that new patch and, and us worn out pieces of clothes. That, that's ours. That's our sinful nature. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it talks about when, if anyone is a new create, if when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. Everyone say new creation. New creation. Not a new sleeve. Not a new you know, button, a new creation, the whole, whole thing. We're a new creation. He is a new creation, the old. Everyone say old. Old. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Here's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, I am that new patch, but you can't just put me on yourself and expect to be fine wearing the old sinful nature you had. And, and, and as I go on, I want you guys to know I'm not talking to you. I'm also talking to me. Because so often I read these things, I'm like, yeah, you get them, Jesus. You tell those Pharisees. I would never do that. And then I look at myself and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Turns out Jesus is talking to me too. Because sometimes, at least for me, I see something in my life and I'm like, okay, I know I need to work on this. Okay, Jesus, you know, I have some anger issues right here and I need you to put a patch on that. 
All right, Jesus, I see that, that I have maybe some lust in my life, and I just, I just need you to put a patch on that. And we see some areas in our life, and we just ask Jesus, can you just patch that? When in reality, we have a whole closet full of other things that we need Jesus to take care of. Yeah, maybe we, we've, we've covered our, our lust or our anger or whatever, but maybe we have pride. Maybe we have arrogance. Maybe we have unforgiveness. But we don't, Jesus, you don't need to touch that. We just need a little patch here. And what Jesus is saying, man, I'm not just a Band-Aid solution for life. Jesus is not a Band-Aid solution for our life. He's not here just to cover one thing and, and leave the rest alone. Jesus didn't come and die for some of our sins. He came and died for all of them. And what he's asking for us is he's like, I don't want to just be the little patch on your knee, but you still have the whole, the rest of your pants are all sinful. He's saying, I want to make it new. That Second Corinthians passage, he came not to make us a better, not to make us an update, but a new creation. Think of iPhones. You know, you only get so many updates in before your battery just stops working and you need to get a new phone. Otherwise, you're just kind of going back in time to having the old phone on the wall because you always have to have your phone charged into the wall and it loses the purpose of being a cell phone. Jesus is saying, I don't want to just be an update. He says, I want to make you a new creation. Jesus, isn't, Jesus didn't come to earth to just be joined with the rest of the sin, the rest of the idols in our life. He says, no, I came to be the one and only he emphasizes that again as he talks about the wineskins. And I always think about this. Um, I got the, the privilege um, to, to butcher a couple of cows from the Seegersons, and I really enjoyed that. Actually, um, Patrick and, and the rest of the guys that were there probably have lots of stories. I think they were hoping that I'd get grossed out by it, but I had like, it was super, super fun. I had so much fun. Um, but when I think about as we were skinning that cow, and, and I want, again, cultural reference. When it says a wine skin, it's like they would take a, an animal skin, dry it out, and then sew it up so it would hold the wine as it ferments. And, and wine, you know, is grape juice that sits over a period of time and ferments to make wine. And what they needed was a material that would be able to expand as the gas is formed and everything, that it would expand a little bit. So when Jesus says, no one gets new wine and puts it in old wineskin, why? Because that wineskin had already been used. It had already been stretched out. It's like those, those pair of sweatpants that used to fit you during Thanksgiving, and then you hit, like, the next Thanksgiving, and you're like, why are these so tight? They must have shrunk. And it's not the sweatpants. And he says, no one does that. Why? Because as, as the wine expands, that wineskin cannot expand anymore, and it bursts, and you ruin both the wineskin and the wine. And here's what Jesus is getting at. And, and recognize, he didn't have to explain this any. And I love that. It's, it's so obvious for those people. He's like, I don't have to explain this. He says, you don't put something new into something old. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make the new good. Quick story about my college life. We, uh, I, I lived in an all-guys dorm. And that particular year that I came in as a freshman, we had a very large amount of freshmen on our floor. And I'm trying to think how to say this the nicest way possible, but um, certain guys were struggling with living without mommy, um, like hygiene, dishes, cleanliness, 
washing, stuff like that. And, and I remember one individual, um, he, m- mommy taught him well to drink water. He did that well. Mommy taught him well. Um, but what got left out was, oh, mommy's not here to wash my dishes. And so this individual did great on, on drinking water. And he had this water bottle that, that he would keep water. And he just kept filling it up, filling it up. Until one day I looked at his water bottle. I'm like, dude, stuff is growing in your water bottle. And it's not the good kind of growth. And he's like, how did that happen? I'm like, well, you see, you haven't washed that, and it's second semester. Yeah. And again, he's like, so what do I do? And at that point, I'm like, oh, please get married soon. You are not going to be able to live on your own. But I explained to him, you got two options, dude. You can either use a lot of soap and a lot of hot water and really rinse that thing out and wash it out really well, or, and preferably, just throw it away. Get rid of that, because it doesn't matter. You know, he, I would see him, and, and he'd take it, he'd, he'd swash it around and try to get it all, you know, all the, I don't even know what it was, I don't want to know what it was, off the bottom, and then dump it out and pour new water in. I'm like, that's not good enough. I don't care how much clean water you put in that, that thing is disgusting. That is a petri dish of diseases. You need to not use that. And here's Jesus saying, he doesn't, he says, I don't care how much new wine you put in an old wineskin. It's not going to work. See, Jesus is trying to say, he's like, I'm not asking for you to be a good enough wineskin. He says, I'm the wine and I'm asking to fill you. But he says, I can't fill you if you're stuck trying to live the same old life that you were living before me. I can't fill you. I can't be in you, and you can't have me if you refuse to put off your old self, to put off the old ways you were living, to put off the old sins that you were in. Jesus says, I can't fill you if that's the case. Because he says, both things are going to be broke. He says, if you're going to try to follow me, if you say, Jesus, I'm accepting you, I'm going to follow you, Lord, please fill me. He says, if you're going to do that and still have the old, he says, one, you're not going to really get me. You're not going to really be a follower. Why? Because you're still attached to the old sins. But then he says, at the same time, you're you're still going to look like a weirdo to the rest of the world. He says, you're trying to reach and get both and, but he says, really, you're getting nothing. You're not really following me, and also, you're really not of the world either. He says, you've got to choose one. He draws a line for us. He draws a line, and it says, you need to be all new to be filled, or you've got to stay old and not have me at all. And where Jesus was coming with that is, is when he was bringing this to the disciples, when he was bringing this to the Pharisees, when he's bringing it to us, Jesus' question is, is not... Are we going to follow him? Are we going to hear him? Are we going to believe he exists? Rather, he's asking us, are you willing to become a new vessel for me to live inside? And this is a lot easier said than done. I struggle with this because there are certain ways that we like to live. There are certain habits we like to have. There are certain things that we like to do. There are certain comforts that we like to have. And Jesus says, if I'm in your life, You can't bring the old. He says, I came to make you a new, what? Creation. So maybe that's 
That's us having to get rid of a lot of stuff. Maybe that's us having to repent of a lot of things. It's just like that patch. Jesus says, I don't want to just be a, he's not handing out little Jesus patches, okay? There's no little Jesus iron-on patches. He says, I don't want to just be a little segment of your life. He says, you, you need all of me, not part of me. I don't, I'm not coming and dying on the cross so you can just have a little patch of me but then have the rest of you still living in sin. He says, you need to be made new. See, what Jesus was doing with these two illustrations is he, he was trying to prove the point that Jesus is coming not just as, as a small portion of us, but for all of us. He didn't come just to revise something that was wrong. Rather, he came to fulfill he says, I'm not coming just to add one more thing into your life. You know, I think of the morning routines that we have. He says, you know, I have my kids. You know, you got to get up. You got to get dressed. Got to eat. Got to brush your teeth. He's like, I don't want to, like, be that one more addition to your morning routine. Like, he says, I want to make it new. I want to clean you. I want to make you a new creation. I don't want to just be added to the life you're living now, but I came to give you a new life and life in abundance. And as we are new creations, as we follow Jesus, Jesus is not just to be able to be put on and taken off. He says, I am the new. And I want you guys to look with me as as I finish up. Matthew 5, excuse me, Luke 5, and then in verse 39. Luke 5, 39. Jesus' ending remarks. He says, and no one after drinking the old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. And, and, and put this in context, and as, as we leave today, Jesus is bringing this kind of to a conclusion, and he's kind of pointing to the Pharisees, and maybe he's talking to some of our hearts. He's saying, you've got habits, you've got things that, have, that are in your life, and he says, if you don't desire to become new, you don't have a desire for me. He's talking about that wine, and he says, you know, if you're content with the old wine, you're not going to want to try the new how many of you guys are picky eaters or have picky eaters as children? Wow, you guys are so lucky. I have a picky eater. None of you have picky eaters? There we go. We got some. Okay, there we go. I remember I was that picky eater. And it was really hard for my mom to get me to try food. What it took for me to try new food was going to college and then just not having food. And then I was like, well, this is food, so I'll try it. If we don't come to that place in our life where, where we realize that we are drowning in sin and we need a savior, I brought that illustration up to our, to our youth group. A lot of them are swimmers. Some of them are lifeguards. And, and imagine this. I wish uh, Jocelyn was here because I would totally just use her and then I would make her blush, but she'll get to watch the, the restream of this and, and blush anyway. So, so let's say, let's say someone goes and they're swimming and they decide to do a no-no and they dive in the shallow end. So they start drowning because, why? One, water has entered their lungs, and two, their neck is broke. And let's say a lifeguard jumps in. Let's say you're the lifeguard. You jump in to save that person. You get them, you bring them up, you perform CPR, you get their heart beating and them breathing. And then you walk away and you say, saved a life. But what's happening? They've, they're still lying there, critical condition. Yeah, they're breathing, but what? They still have a broken back. It's not all better. Sometimes we might look at Jesus like this, where we're saying, you know what? Just get, Jesus, just come into my life just enough 
to get my heart beating and me breathing again. Just, just do that. You don't need to do anything else out. But God's like, yeah, but you're, you're back. No, Jesus, don't worry about that. I'm breathing in. Yeah, but you have, no, it's okay, Jesus. Just, that's as far as you need to go. What Jesus is trying to get across to, to the Pharisees, to us, is that we got to be at that point of our life where we recognize that our sin has affected all of us, every part of us. And we need Jesus, not just as a patch, but to make us a new creation. See, Jesus, to, to satisfy the wages of sin, he had to come and give his life completely so we could stand before God, the holy and awesome God, as forgiven. And he had to give all of himself for that. And Jesus came, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to, what, fulfill the law. Everyone say fulfill. Fulfill. I think about that when we were going through that time of uh, distance learning. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Where your kids are like, well, I tuned into the Zoom call. And you're like, huh, well, your grades say otherwise. Well, I did most of my homework. Huh. Yeah, writing your name on that piece of paper does not give you an A in the class. I'm seeing a lot of my students having very nervous laughter right now. But when I think about, well, I did most of it. I turned in most of my work. I was on most of the time for my Zoom call. I had my video on for most of my Zoom call. That's good effort. But not quite. Your grade says otherwise. Guys, God isn't asking us to be good enough. He's asking for us to submit to Christ and give all of ourselves to him. Not most of ourselves, all of ourselves to him. See, we, we in return, we'll, we'll give ourselves to Jesus, not part, not just a patch, but everything. And, and to be careful that we don't place other things in our life over top of Jesus, just like that blanket illustration. Guys, when we got Jesus as a blanket, we don't need to add anything else on top of that. Once we see Jesus as Jesus and something else, we completely lose track of the gospel. We completely degrade the work that Jesus did on the cross when we see we need Jesus and. It should be Jesus only. Uh, I'm going to invite the, the worship team uh, to come up. Um, as we finish that. But I would encourage you guys this week to think about, man, what are, the, what are the blankets that you're putting on your life that you don't need? What's crushing your nose? What are, do you have Jesus on all of you or are you just wearing Jesus around just on your knee? Is Jesus trying to fill an old wineskin with new wine? Because we got to let him in and we got to let him in all the way. I'd invite you to stand with us